Welcome back, happy listeners. First, I want to thank all of you for having taken this journey with Nigel and I through the ins and outs of homelessness. I got to say, this series, In and Out of the Fray, was a passion project of mine. It started with a conversation with another good friend I went to high school with, Ian Lansbury. Very few people knew I had already been working on another solo podcast that focused on at-risk youth. I knew that I had wanted to do an episode on homeless teens or kids out of foster care who are at risk of being homeless when they age out. In my conversation with Ian last November and hearing him describe his experiences when we were both kids reminded me of the episode I had been toying with for about a year. This is where In and Out of the Fray began. And when Nigel and I interviewed Ian about his experiences back in high school, leaving for San Fran when we were still seniors in high school, I at first didn't understand the circumstances surrounding Ian's departure. My fears going into this series were that if I dared to speak about homelessness and the difference between falling into homelessness versus the conscious choice some people make to live their lives off-grid, that it would somehow romanticize homelessness to the younger generation. I wanted to make it real clear that nothing Ian went through was easy. I know after speaking with him and the uncertainty he faced was, of course, trying for him when he was just starting out in life. I think that no matter the age category... If you are homeless, you face discrimination. You face dangers you don't see coming. He had lost squats to raids by the police, fire, structural damage, you name it. Nothing was secure. Squatting was a way to survive. And when I hear his story again and again, I am also thankful my friend came through this in one piece, and he himself has found some peace in his current life. And like Ray Keller, who was also moved by witnessing homelessness around Boulder, Knowing he had been blessed in his life and wanted to make a difference by raising awareness around this issue, he took to his creative outlets and filmed an entire movie hoping to shed light into just a few examples of how this could happen to any one of us. I also wanted people to know every story is different. Every road that leads to these circumstances does not have a clear-cut path in or out. Ray Keller's film demonstrates that even with programs set in place through generous donations or state or federal funds, can disappear in an instant. There are also political ties that affect how funds are allocated or whether they disappear. I never understood this till now. Hearing Spencer, who is on the ground level working as interim CEO at the Boulder Shelter, that in and of itself gave me insight. Some of these organizations that are built to provide services and care for individuals without a home The organizations themselves have a higher turnover rate. His ability to step up in a jam and act as interim CEO for the Boulder Shelter speaks volumes. And the people who work at these shelters, no matter the circumstances, care and do their best to be that bridge for the people in crisis every day. I can only imagine that morale might be hard to stay positive given the uphill battles shelters face. And I can only imagine that sometimes the positive voices and smiling faces of the staff may be the only smiling faces homeless individuals encounter. And I have to ask, who is helping to keep the shelter employees smiling? Who is supporting them? Who is their light in all of this? And to all of you who work in the shelters, your work doesn't go unnoticed. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and these services are no less vital within our communities and long after COVID is gone. There will always be a need for shelters and food pantries and programs that help people get back on their feet or support them while they're down. Initially, I had thought that every shelter was mostly funded by state and federal funds, only to find out, no. 
This shelter, the one in Boulder, is one of many across the country that is funded solely by private donations. Donations from people like you and I. And I'll admit that I do donate to a lot of charities, but the shelters themselves, I thought, well, if they're getting funded by state, they have to be all right, or by the federal government. Well, now I know different. And even if they do receive funds from the state or the federal government, all shelters could use our help. So here is where we come with Daniel's story. A man who did choose to go off-grid. Daniel spoke so eloquently of the despair that can emerge from living in this American society. Trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to keep finding reason to, you know, beyond bills, um, paying up, you know, showing up to pay and, and do a job that feels like maybe a hamster wheel. I've read many articles and listened to people lump all people who are without shelter into one or two categories. And this is truly what the meat of this series was about. If a person chooses to walk away from society and say, no more, if they choose a different path and they literally find a way to live in the wild, as the young man Christopher McCandless did in 1990, if you recall, this is the real life story, Christopher, as depicted in the 2007 film Into the Wild, he grew up in a stable, financially sound home, like Daniel Swalo, both of these men had every opportunity, had their education, held jobs, and still, in their minds, in their own minds, felt that life was more than just working to pay the bills and live in a house, to pay a mortgage day in and day out. Somewhere within these two men, there was something else saying, there has to be more. And they dared to find out what that more was. Our first anonymous guest in the opening segment also admitted, were he without certain responsibilities, he would consider going back into the wild himself. And some would look at these individuals and say, oh, there must be something wrong with them. And I'm sorry, but I have to beg to differ. And I have to wonder how many of us really have wished upon gazing out at some mountain ridge or ocean, or random open road we pass by going to work, how many of us sit in our cars and wish we had the courage to take that turn that goes in the opposite direction we go every morning or every afternoon and keep on driving over that horizon we know we never will? How many individuals are just one step away from making a choice that might make them happier than they have ever been, or at peace, or find that healing that was never going to come in any other form? but to step into nature. It is possible. And lastly, I listened up when Mayor Mike Kaufman stepped up to the plate to walk among the homeless for seven days and nights so that he could get a ground zero look at what the community needed. Now, I know Mayor Kaufman has since headed the ban on encampments after he said he was opposed to the bans. I realize he said that there were legal issues he didn't feel the city could take on. And he is in a position that, in a way, controls all the cogs in this wheel that make up homelessness, not the whole wheel. It's mostly, it's almost as if his level of involvement is the hub. Nothing is clear and cut. Nothing is black and white because there are so many moving pieces to this problem. But for the first time, an actual government official sat down with a couple of regular Joes like Nigel and I and just had the conversation. What is it about homelessness that escapes even our city officials? Mayor Coffin was pretty upfront with us. This problem involves politics, mental health issues, drug rehab, funding for meds, beds, food, and shelter. 
It takes people at all levels to be on the same page. And people who are passionate about their positions don't always meet eye to eye. And we expect city officials and politicians to just sweep their pens over whatever ballot proposals that would fund whatever it would take for organizations to function at full force. But after listening to what kind of funds it takes to create just one place for people to go, can any one of us hold as much judgment of them any more than we can hold judgment of people who need the services? It's just my opinion. No. It takes money to provide the physical shelter. It takes money to then fix up and maintain that physical shelter. It takes money to staff the shelter. It takes money to provide basic health and mental services, to run the shelter, food vendors, cost of food delivery, cost of medical care. The list goes on and on and on. This is not an issue that is up to just one person, one politician, or someone else. What I'm taking out of this is that it's a social issue that is up to all of us. But this is just what I, one person again, is just walking away after speaking with all these amazing individuals. I am walking away with, we have no place lumping every individual story into a stereotype. We have no place judging every homeless individual we encounter. But does it enable the homeless by giving them money on the street? Are we enabling them by giving them food and clothing out of the back of our car? I mean, we all have good intentions and we all want to help. I mean, where does, where does it really help them? Or would it be better to give to the organizations themselves? And I think we have to do what is in our hearts. But starting the conversation instead of just turning a blind eye is a start. And no one individual, politician, civic service person, shelter director, or volunteer, employee, social worker has the power to magically get everyone on the same page because everyone is coming from their own perspective. And there are so many who are involved who are doing everything they can to keep these conversations going despite all the moving parts that seem to randomly be moving all at once. I questioned whether I wanted to talk about why I started this series. Truth be told, I have a family member, more than one, who has faced homelessness. One got out of the fray, and one still struggles and may choose not to rejoin society as the larger part of society knows it. And is that so wrong of him? Can I really judge him? Can anyone I know really judge him? The Daniel Suelos of this world have a very strong point. There is always choice to live this life to the fullest and in peace, and how we choose to do that is our choice. If people are in the situation of being homeless, that is not a choice. And it is not a crime. And if people choose to live off grid, they are not crazy or broken. And they have a right to live in peace if that is what brings them peace. And that is not a crime. One last thought comes to mind. If it takes a village to raise a child, it's going to take an entire nation working together to end homelessness for the people who are homeless and let those who seek something else into that wild, the room to wander without persecution. But that's just what I'm taking away from this series. And I hope you all enjoyed In and Out of the Fray, and I hope you walked away with something, too. And thank you so much for listening up. Hey there, listeners. Nigel here. Once again, thanks for listening, and I do hope you've enjoyed our series, In and Out of the Fray. It was so interesting having worked on this series with Natty and hearing all the different perspectives from our guests. 
I hope these conversations gave you an opportunity to think about the condition of homelessness in a new way. And I guess if I had to choose one key takeaway from the series, one I hope would also resonate with listeners, it would be this, that you can't be so quick to judge. So often we form our own micro-narratives around an individual in a split second based on their appearance alone. And perhaps more often than not, those narratives are wrong. Please stay tuned as our spring season continues with some conversations about plants, including a bonus episode with Canada's garden guru, Mark Cullen. We'll also have some vegan fun and conclude the season with a discussion about World Health Day. In the meantime, please take a minute to follow us on social media and podcasting platforms like Apple, SoundCloud, and iHeart. Our podcast call-in number is 303-731-6104, or you can email us at smtpodcasters at gmail.com. Until next time, Nigel out. Nigel out.